all you can think of with a comment like that is, man, I'm surprised you can suck your own dick and still talk. Radio Drone. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drone, which is a sequel to an episode that's a sequel to an episode that's a sequel to an episode. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is Cecil Meh Trachtenberg. Yes, and nobody's breaking into my house this time. So, <laughs> which could, could be even a sequel to something that actually happened. And then we have Peter. We have a little bit of problems getting him, but Peter is here as well. A little bit, yeah. This is a sequel to a sequel to a prequel. I mean, this is getting as uh, convoluted as the Saw franchise, I think, I think so. If you guys want to have something that's a little less convoluted or a little easier, go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free Power O-Ring, O is for orgasm, and free U.S. shipping. Sorry, Peter. Just go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code DROME. Last week we looked at the, what we, what we kind of considered the best sequels. Let's look at what are considered the best sequels of all time and see where they fall with us. Cause I don't agree with a lot of these. Like starting off, I know where the three of us are going to get into a fight over this, but The Dark Knight, the Christopher Nolan sequel to Batman Begins. I didn't like any of these movies. But Dark Knight actively pissed me off by how many, how much accolades it got, and I think it's a genuinely poor movie. That one, at least Batman Begins, I could sit through without being angry. Dark Knight just <laughs> pissed me off. Um, when it comes to the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, I'm kind of with you on that I'm not really the biggest fan of them to begin with. I think on a filmmaking standpoint, like as far as uh, lining up a shot and creating something very compelling on screen. Christopher Nolan is very good at doing depiction of the Dark Knight himself when it comes to these Batman movies. I feel like they're more of a showcase of the villains, and Batman feels uh, too much like a side character, and I think that a lot of that has to do with uh, how I feel um, Christian Bale performed as Batman. I, I just wasn't a fan of the voice. I wasn't a fan of how scrunched up the cowl made his lips look, which I think in turn made him sound weird, and there was a lot of stuff in post that made him sound pretty weird. But as far as those go, I, I have to say Batman Begins is my favorite of the three as well and it's it's almost because it's a a very well done adaptation of year one um you have the whole him training as a ninja uh coming back to gotham trying out different methods of like vigilante justice and different like costume ideas until finally becoming batman i thought it would have worked really well as a as a standalone film at least on those merits dark knight again on a filmmaking standpoint i think it's um it's a really good film and i can see why a lot of people prefer it um in, in the series why people prefer the dark knight over begins and uh, dark knight rises and i think a lot of it has to do with um the dedication that heath ledger put in into the role of joker and he really is quite fantastic in the film there's nothing i can take away from his performance as the joker and really i think the villains really do shine the most in these films um liam neeson was awesome as Rashad Ghoul. Ledger was awesome as Joker. 
Uh, also, who's, who's the guy that plays the Scarecrow also in Batman Begins? He, he was good, too. Killian Murphy? Yeah, Killian Murphy. Yeah, he was great as well. And then, of course, uh, Tom Hardy always um, seems to knock it out of the park with almost no matter what he does, he seems to be awesome. Um, he was great as Bane, even though it wasn't really Bane. Um, it was still cool. But when it comes to Dark Knight Rises, or, or uh, The Dark Knight as a sequel, I can see why people like it, because I do think it has the most solid villain. I think It's the most Heath mainstream Ledger, of those as well. It's very mainstream, yes. It very much caught on uh, to the Hot Topic crowd and whatnot with all the Joker t-shirts and people quoting him and all the why so serious shit. You can see why it really took off, and it is a very memorable portrayal. And I think everybody is going to remember that one in a positive light because of Heath Ledger, be that uh, for the reason being that he died shortly after filming or because it was a solid performance. In my opinion, it's because it was a really solid performance and a really, I don't want to say original depiction of Joker, because personally I think Heath Ledger was just ripping off Tom Waits. But it was really cool. Whatever it was, whatever he channeled, he did a really awesome job of it. And I can see why that could be one of the reasons that Dark Knight is considered to be the, the best sequel um, of that franchise. And whether people want to admit it or not, it's because of Heath Ledger. It's not because of Christopher Nolan. It's not because of Christian Bale as Batman. Let's face it, Christian Bale was a pretty fucking terrible Batman, as great of an actor that he is. That voice is unforgivable. And the way he looks in the costume, which could have looked great if he had a, in my, I could go on to a whole rant about how dumb his cowl looks. I thought that uh, same thing. I thought Batman Begins was the best of the three, and I actually really enjoy Batman Begins. Like, I, I don't even think it's a bad movie at all. I really think that they do a fantastic depiction of the character. I like that uh, they didn't start off with uh, the Joker, and they kind of went into Batman's history a lot more. The Dark Knight, I think, is good mostly because of Heath Ledger's performance. Heath Ledger's Joker is phenomenal. But everything else, I think, really, really pulls the movie down. I think that uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's character is completely pointless. I think that uh, this, it drags on forever and ever. And uh, they... They could have cut out like a half hour of the movie and it would have felt a lot more fluid. Like if they would have just excised uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's character altogether, I don't think that it would have had much of an impact on the film. Uh, it just I, I didn't care. The, the third one is just way too long. And this is coming from somebody who really likes, like, you know, if they do a movie and it's long, but do a movie that's long that doesn't feel long. Like, there are movies like Braveheart and whatnot that are three hours long that are so well-paced and so well put together, they don't feel like they're that long. Dark, was it Rises is the third one? Yeah, that, that, that's a train wreck. There's just so many parts in that that i'm watching and i'm like okay i get it you know but this is little little snip here little snip here and it would definitely have increased the pacing there were so many times where i just was like oh my god can we speed things up already and i just i thought it was like okay and i liked parts of it but i think that that one could have used like a, a stronger edit and it would have uh it would have felt like a much better film you're a fool christopher nolan doesn't edit there, yeah. are, there are no such thing as deleted scenes in a Nolan movie. You know this. Yeah, everything is on the everything is on the screen. You he, know? You know, he's almost as bad as Tarantino when it comes to this footage is just too good. I can't cut it. Eh. You've ever, if you've ever heard Nolan talk about his own films, he's the same way Tarantino is. He's in love with himself. But the thing is, but Tarantino's stuff. I've never, I think the only movie where I felt like it could have been uh, shortened a little bit was Inglorious Bastards. 
I thought in Glorious Bastards, there was a little bit, like, it, it did start to drag at certain points. But all of his movies are usually very well paced out. They feel Except very on point. The, the, one, the one I'm the most referring to with Tarantino is Death Proof. When he put the entire half-hour missing reel back in, there was, an, there was an interview he did with Video Watchdog where he said the reason he put the missing reel back in is the footage was just too good to not be seen. All you can think of with a comment like that is, man, I'm surprised you can suck your own dick and still talk. Why is this back in here? It adds nothing to the film. Tarantino was just so in love with his own footage. He was just like, dude, this has to be seen. It's that good. And then another one that everyone seems to love and I don't get, again, I'm not into this franchise at all. I did not like the 2001 Spider-Man. I despised Spider-Man 2. I thought it was poorly written. It had so many terrible moments in it that I was cringing in the theater. Why everyone loves Spider-Man 2, I don't know. Because as much as I did not like the first Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2 was a hard sit. Uh, I really, really, really liked the 2001 Spider-Man. I thought that that was uh, still the best depiction of the character in movie form. I loved it. I thought it was great. But then Spider-Man 2 came along, and it was the same movie, just with a different villain, and it wasn't quite as engaging. And it also had the really stupid ending. Stops the train and has to take his mask off, because everybody needs to see his face again for some reason. I, I, that was actually one of the moments that made me go... You've got to be f***ing kidding me. When all these people recognize him and they're like, we'll protect your identity, Spider-Man. And I'm going, bullshit. In the real world, yeah. he's on the he's on the front page of TMZ an hour later. Yeah, Fuck somebody you. sells the thing. Yeah, it's like, screw you with this. 50 people saw him. Uh, yeah, they might not know his name, but it's like, I'm sorry. They're all going to protect his identity? My ass. Spider-Man 2, I, like, I thought was okay at best, and I was shocked. Like, after I left the theater, I was like, eh, I'm like, it just, it had all the same beats as the first movie. I mean, you could line them up and be like, okay, here's when he does this, here's when this happens, here's when the villain appears, here's when this. I mean, it had, like, a couple of cool moments, but overall, it's just at the end, I was irritated. And then, with the third one, the third one, as is generally regarded... Is a, yeah, the, the third one is a genuinely poor movie. Yeah, it's just, uh, it really... Sh and I had somebody argued with me about that when I did the, the reboot, remake uh, video, where I was like, uh, you know, the third one is generally regarded as terrible, or I said something, and I was like, well, that doesn't mean... And he went, and he was throwing like all these rotten tomato scores at me and i'm like okay go and ask almost anybody and they're gonna say that spider-man 3 was terrible and it was the worst including the sam raimi including well sam raimi didn't even want to do it well he wanted to do it with vulture they made him put venom in the like shoehorn venom into the movie and he didn't want to do it and he kind of tuned out and it must i mean i'm not shitting on on uh on raimi because i do still really like his his work and i like him but it's gotta be interesting that you can phone in a 300 million dollar movie why he <laughs> did it with oz well that's the yeah, now he did it again with oz i wanted but he wanted to do oz though like he didn't it sure he, as hell didn't feel like it i know or at least he's saying that he did so we lost peter there so hopefully we'll get peter next week but so for the rest of this episode will just be cecil and i let's go on to what is considered one of the best sequels of all time. Now, I want to be very clear. I do not dislike this movie, but I like the first film better, and that's Godfather 2. I think Godfather 2 is a fantastic movie, and maybe just because I've seen Godfather more, I like the first film better. 
I that's one where I really need to go back and watch them again because I'm not huge on mafia movies to begin with, and uh, I think that they are. I think one and two are really good bookends. Like three, you know, well, let's not talk. Three is unnecessary (laughs) through and through. Three is completely unnecessary. Three is nepotism. But one and two, I think, work really well as companion pieces to each other. So I would like to go back and watch them again before I can really say uh, which is uh, the better one. But uh, I would say more, you know, the first one obviously was uh, revolutionary. And uh, I think two was just just a very good follow-up and possibly, you know, on par. But uh, it's been... It's been a few years. Well, now this next one, again, I'm not crapping on the sequel. I just like the first one better, and that's Raid 2. I think The Raid was a fantastic movie. Arguably one of the best action movies of the decade. Raid 2, they seem to kind of misunderstand why the first Raid worked. And they doubled down on certain things like the fight scenes are all longer to the point of tedium. That final fight in the kitchen between the number one enforcer and our main character just went on and on and on and on after i mean i i don't know how long that fight was but it felt like a 20 minute fight scene and i was just like oh my god somebody just die i didn't have a problem with that i thought that uh two i love the fight sequences i am not one who really uh, especially for a fight sequence that is so well choreographed like they can keep going like there are times where i've seen movies where they have these really extended fight sequences and i love them you know if it's if it's uh um you know shaky cam close up edit out you know out the ass then of course i'm going to tune out especially if it goes on way longer but usually those ones are over fairly quickly but i love that they spent the time you know with fight choreography and i thought that uh, it was just really good i did not mind that at all my only thing was uh i thought that the raid 2 was like raid 1 is brilliant i i adored it i think it's one of the the best action movies ever made raid 2 i think is an excellent follow-up but it felt like it should have been two movies i thought that uh, yeah it was way it was way too long there were there were way too many subplots you know what it felt like a pilot for a tv series there was what eight different subplots going on at any given moment in this movie yeah there was way too much going on in between there like they could have they could have definitely made that into two movies and i think like two 90 minute movies or something and i think it would have benefited it better but instead uh you know with so many plots going on and so many things to follow it definitely uh, you have to watch it twice to be able to, to really pull everything in i i think it's excellent but it's just i it is a case of them cramming too much into the movie. So I think that it's still a fantastic movie. It's just that I thought the first one was just perfect the way that it was. And now, of course, they're remaking it and they're like, no, we're going to we're going to do something different. And I'm like, oh, God, they're going to make it PG-13 and they're going to do uh, lots of CGI fights. They're going to basically they're not going to do that kind of brutal real uh choreographed fighting like was in the first one i mean i just can't see them the first one was the first one was a legitimately good film because other than our main character having main character immunity you knew he was going to 
live at least till the final battle. You did not know who was going to live and who was going to die, and especially not how. No, because it's just, I mean, somebody could die, you know, in the middle of a fight. Somebody could just get, you know, offhand. Like, yeah, it was it was a major just shock. Like, the whole movie was so freaking good. Now, this next one, it's on a list of greatest sequels, but I don't know anybody who likes Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey better than Excellent Adventure, but it made a couple of different lists. Now, again, I like Bogus Journey. For the most part. I think William Sadler actually steals this movie from Bill S. Preston, Esquire, and Ted Theodore Logan. Got nothing on death. Bill Sadler is the reason Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey works. Absolutely. I think that uh, he was great. Like, he had all the best lines. He was, like, because it starts off, you're like, what are they going to do with this character? And then he just evolves over the course of the film, and you're like, all right, this is really funny. Like, they did play him up great, and uh, I love that. And I agree that uh, I think that he completely stole the show from, you know, both Bill and Ted. And uh, I like Bogus Journey. But I do think that it's a step down from Excellent Adventure. It just didn't have the same heart that the first one did. It's still really good, but, uh, I mean, I think it's a case of where the first one was so good that any follow-up was, was going to be tough. I, I will say this, though, and I know how weird this is going to sound out of context, but George Carlin played a hot-as-hell Pam Greer. <laughs> now, another one. I'm going to agree and disagree on Blade 2. It's a much better film than the first Blade, but I only think the first two-thirds of Blade 2 are good. I think the third act of that movie completely shits the bed. But the first two-thirds are an amazing follow-up and what a Blade movie should be, and then for some reason it just gets diarrhea and shits the bed in the third act. No, this, I think that Blade 2 is the superior, bleh. I think that Blade 2 is the superior movie in the Blade trilogy. 3 is just a mess, but that's, it seems that they keep losing it on the third one. They can't seem to, with, with all these movies, they don't know what the hell they're doing and they, they go nuts with the third one and somebody wants out or they, they try to make, you know, in, in this case, they were trying to make it a, a backdoor pilot for the Night Stalkers and Blade, uh, Wesley Snipes and the director were just at each other's throats and, with the second one, Blade 2 was just awesome. Like, I loved Blade. And then Blade 2, I thought they took everything and, and ramped it up. I mean, the the the, the villains were, were uh, better. I thought that the effects were better. I thought the directing was uh, was just so on point. Wesley Snipes was kicking massive amounts of ass. Love that movie through and through. I think it's fantastic. I have zero problems with it. And as excellent as Blade is, Blade 2 managed to outdo it. Well, you said the third one usually is where they lose it. Come on. Ninja 3, The Domination. We're not going to be talking about that one, but Ninja 3, come on. That's the best one. Well, yeah, Ninja 3, The Domination is the best one. But in that case, uh, it's not an issue of the third because they're three unrelated movies. It's More just that less. they threw, you know, they, they made them into a trilogy. Again, with this third thing. No, I'm going to go Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors is the best film in that franchise. Everyone loves the first film, and I, I have some problems with it, but I like the first movie. I think Freddy's Revenge is probably the best as a story with actual, you know, depth and the surrealism, but I think Nightmare on Elm Street 3 The Dream Warriors is the best film on a this is fucking awesome scale. 
Yeah, you got, I mean, okay, it's, it's the exception, not the rule. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, the Dream Warriors, is really when they took all the different aspects of Nightmare on Elm Street and really kind of defined them as for moving forward. It was like, okay, in your dreams, you can do certain things, you know, you can, uh, do things differently than you would be able to in reality. Uh, they gave a little bit more explanation and gave a little bit more intro, uh, you know, insight into Freddy, just made it more, like, like everything across the board was interesting. A great cast. Freddie, uh, Robert England was at the top of this game and it was such a step up because I mean, I, I adore the first movie. I think the first movie is brilliant. The second one, I really, I've tried time and time again to like it and I like what they were trying to do, but in the end, I don't think that it, it just entirely works. It's not my least favorite of the series. That's New Nightmare. Yeah, easily. But, but okay, with, with two, I got what they were trying to do. I think two, and you have to put this separation in there. Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, is a terrible sequel, but it's a great movie. It should not have been a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, though. Yeah, it's, it's more, it's a great concept that I don't think works. This is another one that I'm surprised to find on so many lists because most people, I mean, I've even seen major TV personalities diss Gremlins 2. Gremlins 2, and I told this to Joe Dante when I was interviewing him. I happen to like Gremlins 2 a lot better than Gremlins. I think it's funnier. It it has more heart to it. The Gremlins look more amazing. It, it has more of a, okay, I can't say a cohesive story, but it works better in the three-act structure style. I love Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Gremlins 2, The New Batch is awesome. I, I wish Daniel Clamp were a real person because I would watch the Clamp Network. I love Gremlins 2. I did the whole video about it, talking about how much I loved it and how it's just, it, it is just creativity run wild. It was like, I mean, they had at one point. It's a live action cartoon if there ever was one. Oh my God, yeah. At one point, Joe Dante said that they had a, a clipboard uh, stuck to uh, one of the wall walls in like, you know, behind, you know, behind the set. And it was just an idea. And people, anybody, crew, you know, could, uh, you know, uh, the food guy what could go up and write something on there, an idea. And if they liked it, they shot it. And I thought that that was excellent. They had so many just ridiculous ideas that came from that. Unfortunately, I don't remember any of them off the top of my head because it's been a couple of years since I did the video. But they, they had said they had a couple of ideas where people just wrote it up there and they were like, you know what? That's so nuts. Yeah, let's do it. For a Warner Brothers film? Man, that's different from 1990 to today. Could oh. you see a Warner Brothers movie allowing that kind of creativity today? No. I mean, I understand, like, you know, you're, you're going to have some tentpole movies where you're, you want to keep things refined to a certain degree but just the ability to have that much freedom is just is unheard of we're telling of our clients to stock up on canned food and shotguns <laughs> uh the whole the whole thing is just it's just a joy i did not like adam's family values at all i thought the first adam's family the 90s ones was a really good movie. I didn't like the overall plot of the fraud and then he turned out to actually be Fester thing. I thought that was kind of stupid. But overall, it captured, the first film captured the feel, the tone, and it got the characters of the Adamses right. I thought Adam's Family Values was the weird pop culture response to the first film. And it just, I don't know, Values didn't do anything for me. I didn't like either of them. This is going to be the most d divisive one, probably. Now, everyone loves Empire Strikes Back, including me. I think it's the best 
of the main Star Wars films. I know you didn't like Rogue One all that much. I think Rogue One's probably the best of all the Star Wars movies, but a lot of people list Force Awakens as the best sequel, and I have to wonder if they saw the same movie I did. I loved Force Awakens. I thought uh, it, it blew Rogue One out of the water. I felt nothing with Rogue One, which is weird for it being a Star Wars movie. I liked, like, I thought the look was there. I thought everything was there, but I did not care about the lead character. I thought that she was the worst part of the movie, which was really crappy because the whole movie was supposed to be about her. Parts of it, I thought K2SO was fantastic, but uh, I just remember sitting there at the end and the crowd just, you know, uproared with, with applause, and I'm like, I I don't care about anything that I just saw. Like, I don't know. It just, it did not work for me. Didn't feel like a Star Wars movie. It felt like a movie. That, and see, that's what Force Awakens did to me, Cecil. It didn't feel like a real sequel. It felt like a rehash. It followed the plot of the first film. I didn't really like the Rey character. I, I hate this term, but she was a Mary Sue. She was able to do whatever the script needed her to do. They're probably going to retcon that by giving her force powers in the later ones to explain it, but in just as a standalone movie, I hated her. I thought Finn was a great character. Finn and Poe, I thought they were great new characters. But plot was too much of a rehash. You saw every single thing that was going to happen. There were a few moments where I'm like, please don't. Oh, God, you did it. I was not, I did not walk out of Force Awakens happy. I walked out going, well, that happened. It was better than the prequels, at least. Yeah, I, uh, my whole thing is, and, and I really think that, uh, like, I don't, I don't like the whole, like, if this was the first movie and we had no idea that there were going to be more of them, then yeah, I could see them being like, oh, Ray was a Mary Sue or whatever. But we know there's two more coming and we don't know the full history of everything that's going on. So, I mean, if at the end of the third one, if she didn't have like some kind of uh, memory wipe or, or she wasn't like force sensitive or something, then okay, but it's not going to happen. They're going to explain all of this stuff. It's just, it's being taught, like, instead of, uh, where you have a, a movie where it's told in a in three parts, you're getting this trilogy, and this and her story is being told in three parts. So we've only seen part one. So there's going to be a lot more explained in parts two and three. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be eating their words over the whole thing about uh, you know insisting that she was a Mary Sue and that she was able to do everything perfectly. And I'll eat my words too if if it turns out that I was wrong. But I'm I'm pretty sure that I'm not. I'm pretty sure that they're going to explain that uh, she had some sort of uh, training before. It's just, we don't know the entire story yet. But Rogue One, it just, it really bummed me out. Like, I didn't think it was bad, but I thought for all the talent that went behind it, uh, it was a drop-off. A lot of people would say Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan is the pinnacle of Star Trek movies. I'll give them this one. It's the best of all the films, way better than the motion picture. I think two. Star Trek II does better what you were just said The Force Awakens is going to do. Now, obviously, we haven't seen the sequels to The Force Awakens yet. Star Trek II works as a standalone movie, and when played in conjunction with 3 and 4, is a very solid opening to a trilogy. Force Awakens, I don't think, works as a movie, as a standalone movie. It may work as part of a trilogy. I think Wrath of Khan 
can stand on its own without you needing to see 3 and 4. Yet, if you see Star Trek 3 and 4, that's an amazing little trilogy in the middle of the movies. Yeah, I think uh Wrath of Khan is definitely the the best. I mean, it's uh it it's just so well paced. It really really picks up the slack that the first one did. And I like the first one, but the first one is a very deliberately slow paced movie. Star Trek the motionless picture. Right. Two, I think really really, you know, goes goes by quickly and it's just just highly enjoyable. It's very quotable and I mean the effects and everything still I think look great and I just I like uh Khan a lot. I like um, like all of the original Trek movies. I think that uh they're Even they five? all Five, I think, like, is the the weakest of the bunch, but I still think that it has parts in it that I enjoy. Like What does uh, God need with a starship? <laughs> You don't ask God for ID. I forget what the exact <laughs> quote was, but yeah, I mean it's it's corny. I mean it's definitely the the weakest of the bunch, but it's still like for for me it's like yeah it's a Star Trek film. It's it's fun. It's, I tell you what, I would rather watch Star Trek Five than uh uh what was the Beyond Star Trek Beyond. I'd rather watch Star Trek Five than watch Beyond again. Well, what about the Evil Dead movies? No, this is. Okay, the Evil Dead movies, Evil Dead 2 is without a doubt the best of the Evil Dead movies. I I don't think there's any debate of of that. A lot of people kind of go, well, it's just a retread. It's, it's a, it's a big budget remake of the first film. Okay, I kind of see where they're coming from because it stays in the same location, has the same main character, and treads some of the same ground. I'd say only the first five minutes are a remake of the first film. I think Evil Dead 2 is just saying, everything you liked about the first film, we smoked a bunch of crack and made a new movie. And I think Evil Dead 2 is absolutely amazing. I think Army of Darkness I like, but I don't think Army of Darkness had the originality or the uniqueness or the frantic, I I hesitate to use this term, but art house style that Evil Dead 2 had to it. I'm so torn with uh with the three Evil Dead movies. They're because they're they're each different. They're well, they're similar and different at the same time. 1 and 2 are uh very similar and like you said it's like one two is really a remake of like the beginning of one and then it kind of goes nuts from there because really it's it's ash for the majority of the film by himself in a, in a different way than he was with the with the first movie and then three is just uh completely off you know off the rails just insanity i i think that they're all I, I would really be hard pressed to, to d- decide which one of the three that I like because each one does things differently and does things so well. Like the first one is more of a horror movie. The second one is more of a comedy and the third one is more of a live action cartoon horror comedy. Just, uh, it's, it, it's what happens when you give, you know, a younger Tim Burton a fairly large amount of money. You know, he made the Tim most. Burton? Or, uh, God, did I say Tim Burton? God. You did. Sa- uh, Sam Raimi. It's what happens when you give Sam Raimi a decent, you know, a, a larger budget. Because one and two combined weren't as expensive as three. I mean, three, even three wasn't even that expensive. I think it only had like a, like a one to three million dollar budget or something. I know it was still fairly low. Evil, it was a Dino De Laurentiis film. Three still... Uh, okay, well, two shows what what happens when you give Tim, uh, when you give, God, I keep saying Tim. You did it again! I did it again! What the hell? When you give Sam Raimi, when you give Sam Raimi a good, you know, a decent budget, and now it's unfortunate because he has, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars 
and he's not making movies that are as bored. creative as yeah it's like i think like i was kind of excited with drag me to hell because it was like him kind of stripped down to his roots but then i ended up being disappointed with uh drag me to hell i thought that it was very lackluster yeah i really i, I hated did, that movie i didn't like it i liked like a little bit of it but it was just uh it was loud loud the movie so anyway so i don't know I don't know. I don't know which of those three I like. I like all three of them. They're all excellent, but they're all excellent in different ways. Well, I mean, th there's a big debate with the Mad Max movies as well. Now, I think obviously Mad Max from 79 is a good movie. In comparison to The Road Warrior, it's nothing. I think Road Warrior beats the crap out of Mad Max, and Beyond Thunderdome starts off well. The first half, I think, is a solid sequel. And then it kind of meanders and, you know, starts to crap itself a little bit. And I know you didn't like Fury Road, but I think Fury Road is a, is a sequel worthy to The Road Warrior, where I don't know which is better in that franchise. I don't know if I go Road Warrior or Fury Road for the Mad Max films. I would go Road Warrior or Mad Max. I, I would go... Uh, I probably would go, it's, that one's really tough. I, I, depending on my mood that day, it would either go Road Warrior or Mad Max, cause either, I, I don't know. And then, for me personally, I would then, get, so, I would probably go, okay, today, I'll say Road Warrior, Mad Max, Thunderdome, Fury Road. But tomorrow, right. it could be Mad Max, Road Warrior, Thunderdome, Fury, like, Fury Road will always be fourth. Let's go back to the slashers then. It's generally agreed, including myself, for the Friday the 13th films, Part 6 is the best one. For the longest time, Part 6 was not getting any love, and everyone was, oh, the final chapter is the best one, 4 is easily the best. And this was, you know, in the 2000s on the internet. For a while I was thinking, am I the only one that really loves Part 6? Jason Lives is hands down the best Friday the 13th movie, followed closely by Jason X. Jason Lives, man. Ah, uh, part seven all the way. Jason versus Carrie. Alright, it's excellent. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Look, at least now, it's not nine. Uh, goes to hell can go to hell. <laughs> that movie, I, I think the best thing about that movie, other than the first 15 minutes, because that whole FBI thing is amazing, and that was the last bit of creativity that movie had, watch the documentary on the DVD for Goes to Hell. It's amazing how the writer-director has so much contempt for his audience. He basically tells the audience, fuck you for not getting what I was doing, and you guys just want the same movie over and over again. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm taking my ball and going home. He's so arrogant, he's so arrogant that he made a brilliant film that audiences just are not complex enough to understand. Oh, dear. I, I, I was very, very... He almost pissed me off in that movie. Or in that documentary. Because he really believes the, the crap that's coming out of his mouth. We gotta go spy movies. There's the Bourne Supremacy. I have to bow out of this one, but... Because I've only ever seen the Bourne Identity. It's the only... I saw the original four-hour miniseries in the 80s. But of the Matt Damon movies, I've only seen the first film. So everyone keeps telling me Supremacy's better. But the clips, the parts I've seen of the later ones tell me... Wow, this did not do well as a go well as a franchise quality wise, you know. I don't care about the uh, Bourne movies. Well, w w what about the Die Hard movies? I love the first Die Hard. Die Hard with a Vengeance is a good movie. Don't know why everyone says it's the best film in the franchise. Is it a good movie? Yes. No way, it's better than Die Hard. No, and I love three. Three, 
Three is just excellent. Yeah, I'm not crapping on three, but, but one how, is how is how is three how does three make so many best of sequel lists? I've never even heard that before. I've never even heard it up for debate that three was was the best of the franchise. It's always been one. It's one of those times when, like with Michael Keaton and Batman, people were like, oh, the moonlighting guy is going to be in uh, this action movie. And then it was like, oh, I see. Like, he was phenomenal. Yeah, Die Hard is not only one of the best action movies ever made, it's one of the best movies ever made. And Die Hard with a Vengeance, great. I like, I think that it, it is a much, like, I like two, but three, I think, feels like a more proper follow-up. It really feels like, you know, how down and out he is after, you know, the events of the movie, and it's just, it really plays out really well. Him and Samuel L. Jackson, they work so well off of each other, and uh, it's just an excellent film. Uh, but uh, one is just, one's freaking revelation. Revolutionary. And then, of course, there were the two sequels that nobody wants to acknowledge. Well, I think four is fine. I think that, uh, I mean, if I, again, if I'd have to put these in order, I'd go Die Hard 1, 3, 2, 4, and then 5 never happened. Magnum Force for the Dirty Harry movies. As we said in our Dirty Harry retrospective, it's, it's not the better film. It's a good film. It's overly long and has too many subplots. I don't know why everyone loves Magnum Force more than Dirty Harry. I'd, I'd actually probably put Sudden Impact. Right? That's the worst one. <laughs> I don't know. Like, no, I mean, I, like Dirty Harry, uh, the the first one's the best. But then I probably would go with Sudden Impact. I don't know. I've always, I've always. Had I'd a have soft to go. I, okay, it. if I got to go for a sequel, Deadpool easily. Deadpool was great. Deadpool had the uh, wax standees of uh, of Guns N' Roses. But Except that was actually Guns N' Roses. I know. But they looked like wax. I'm like, wow, they got a like, wax stand. Oh, it's really Guns N' Roses. Yeah, Jim Carrey uh, as Axl Rose. and uh, In an Exorcist ripoff. In an Exorcist ripoff. James Carrey. As he's credited. Right. He wasn't even Jim Carrey he yet. He's Jim James Carrey in that movie. Oh, my God. Yeah, Deadpool is uh very, very, very silly and highly enjoyable, but not like if you look like if you were to watch Dirty Harry and then follow that up with Deadpool, you'd be like, what? Because like, I, I, I think that, OK, the same thing would happen if you're if you watch Death Wish and then Death Wish 5. You're, you'd be like, how is this the same franchise? Now, when you watch them in order, you kind of go, OK, I see how you got from one to five. But if you just watch one and five, you're you're like, the hell happened? Yeah, it tur- this movie turned into a comedy. Like he should. Okay, I I I can't remember if it's four or five where Paul Kersey shoots a bazooka at point blank range and blows the guy out the window. I I believe that was four. Okay, because I it's been years since I've seen any of the sequels, but it's just like yeah, that that's a ridiculous ass franchise. But uh, but so fun. <laughs> Come on. Oh, I'm not saying it's not fun. I'm saying it's ridiculous. Because the first one is pretty dark, and then it just gets silly. It, it gets more comic booky. Yeah, it gets well, more of a comic book as they progress. That's canon. That's true. Canon did all the sequels. Well, then we, we've got a brand new movie that's in theaters right now. Everyone's telling me, and I, I've seen John Wick too. Everyone's saying it's better than the first film. I really liked John Wick two a lot. I liked the first film better. I think the first film had better structure. It was paced better. It wasn't as over the top. In this film, they get 
we mentioned comic booky a moment ago. This one is in total, this is not taking place in the real world anymore. The first film at least felt like it kind of was. Whenever there's a new movie that comes out, I don't like saying right away that it's, you know, the best in the franchise or the best in one. Because normally I like to give movies time to sink in. Because there are some times where you watch a movie and you're like, that was great. And then, you know, you watch it a year later and you're like, okay, you know, it's still really good, but it wasn't quite as strong or it doesn't hold up to the original. It's just, I think you're kind of excited by like the newness of it. And so I thought that John Wick was, was, or John Wick 2 was very good so i want to give it a little bit more time before i really say you know which is the better in that franchise as far as uh you know one and two and inevitably three is coming but um i thought that it was great i i loved that they expanded on a lot of the stuff that they did in the first one they showed more of the you know uh of the the assassin's code and and just uh it really was the proper way to do a sequel did it get a little but bit it, but it did get it, it but it did get more and more progressively ridiculous as the film went on i still i loved it i didn't mind any of that i that that did that didn't take me out of it at all in the in the context of the movie i just i loved what they were doing so i didn't i didn't care i loved it that is that is regardless of how like i mean in the future whether or not two i'll put on like right now i'm saying it's on par with the first one which i said in my review but like i don't i i don't think it'll it'll be better i don't think in a few years i'll consider it better than the first one i still think the first one is just like one of the most like perfect action movies this this next one I'm going to bring up L like what I like what we said about last week about certain ones just because you think the sequel is great doesn't diminish the first film I truly think Beverly Hills Cop 2 is on par with the first film kind of like with Alien and Aliens it goes a different direction it's much more colorful it's much more of an action movie that has comedy in it instead of the first film which was a comedy that had action in it I like Beverly Hills Cop 2 just as much as Beverly Hills Cop I'm more in favor of the first one. I like Beverly Hills Cop 2, but I, I think that one just plays out a lot better. Two, uh, if you want to talk about silly, I think two goes a little more in a silly direction. Uh, I thought that... Uh, it's more action movie. Right. I just, uh, I didn't think it would, like, I, it's still great. I still think Beverly Hills Cop 2 is, uh, is fantastic, is just fantastic. Uh, hey, and look, and here's another one where the third one goes off the rails. But, um, indeed, but, but then what about this next one? Just like with Beverly Hills Cop 2, this is not, I, I love the first movie, not the second. Return of the Living Dead 3 had no right to be as good as it was. Return of the Living Dead 3 is awesome. That's I can't say it's better than the original. I cannot say it's better than the original, but it does not deserve to be as good of a damn sequel as it is. It's better than two. Well, yeah. But, but, um, but I, I love, like, the first Return of the Living Dead is, is amazing. It's one of the best zombie movies ever. And three, three really could be its own thing. In a way, yes, it does use the 245 trioxin. They, they kind of issue the rules here. Like, instead of eating brains, the zombies just bite legs and arms now, like, like a regular zombie, instead of just going for brains. But three is completely held together by Mindy Clark. You feel so bad for what she's going through in this. She, w w with a weaker actress, Turn of Living Dead 3 wouldn't have worked. Absolutely. Like, she was the glue that hold, that held that whole thing together. And on top of that, the effects, uh, was it Screaming Matt George who, uh, I can't, I can't remember because it was, 
the Brian Usna film, so it was, Usna. It was a good it was a good possibility that it was George. But it was Usna who directed it, so it had that his style, and um, surprisingly, not uh, Scream Major. Scream Mad George might have been working on uh, God, what the, I think the Giver at the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna say around that time, that's when the first Giver would have come out. So maybe that's where he he was his time. But Mindy Clark uh, was just incredible in that, where she when she finally uh, is just. She, throughout the whole movie, she's just stabbing herself with, with stuff to try to like. The pain the makes pain. the hunger go away. And then at the end where, well not the end, but close to the end when she's just got all the, the like metal through her and, and, uh, I'll just, I was so Talk well about done. the ultimate punk rock chick, huh? Oh god, yeah. She was awesome. Like, she really, I fell in love with her with that movie, Dead or Not. <laughs> it's like you necrophiliac, yeah, you. Well, you know, she's, and she's she's gorgeous too, and that that doesn't hurt. It's just uh, it, it's just excellent. Like everything, I'm really uh, I know I know Vestron. Well, Lionsgate was released it under the Vestron label. I haven't picked it up yet. I'm curious to see if it's like the if they managed to restore it completely because that's one that did get cut down for the R rating. Like it, there was an NC17 version that I had like a Th- room. That was released uncut on home video. There are two VHS releases. I have both the R rated and unrated VHSs of that. But that's what I'm saying it's only on VHS. I would love for them to have released it like, you know, completely restored like cuz cuz a lot of the stuff the the un it was it's still the murky VHS quality and I would love to see some of that stuff some of that blood and guts really appreciate it in like high def. We got another three that I, I in my opinion bests the first film. Exorcist is one of the scariest movies ever made. Exorcist three is a better film all the way around. That might be an unpopular opinion. Exorcist three is an amazingly overlooked film. Remember when we did the Poltergeist retrospective, and I think it was you that brought up how everyone craps all over Poltergeist 3 just because it's the third film, and, and you know, they haven't actually gone and re-examined it? That's the way Exorcist 3 is. It is still hated. And I have to ask, did you watch it? It's amazing! 3, I'll, I mean, 3 has the uh, the the scissor scene. I mean that that It also has the hall the hallway scare which is arguably the greatest and most proper jump scare ever. Mhm. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's like it it's terrifying. I mean it's uh I I don't know. I mean the first one is just the first one, as far as I'm concerned, is just lightning in a bottle. Like, the first one is incredible. And, uh, I think that the third one is, is really good. I think that, uh, it's, it's just, it's hard to compare it. I mean, the first one is just, uh, again, going into revolutionary territory, but the first one is revolutionary. The first one is probably the only movie that my father admits that it scared him. Two is, is a drop off. It's, it's okay. Then three is just excellent. And I think that, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that just automatically by default shit on three and three does not serve it. Three is very good. We brought up Poltergeist. I, I think we all agreed. N- none of us had seen Poltergeist three in, in probably d- in decades. I think it was. We all agreed. Poltergeist 3 was way better than we remembered it being. Yeah, 3 was just inventive and fun and a, a little silly, but it it worked. It all felt like it it worked very well. Um 
I think that that's kind of what you would need to do. I mean, especially after having a movie like first one where uh, the first one was so amazing and then you needed to do two kind of sucked. two kind of sucked, but, but two was kind of more, more of the same. And I think that that's why three is so good is because they decided to go, uh, all right, well, let's just throw everything out the window and just do some different stuff and really uh, had a lot of unique and cool things that they did with the third one that uh, helped to make it fresh and helped to make it really more enjoyable, especially after not seeing it for a really long time and then coming back and, you know, all the all the cool stuff they did with the mirrors and stuff. Like, I thought that that was, uh, that was neat. I thought that, that was very cool. I know you love two and three, and I love the first film. Scanner Cop is a severely underrated sequel to the Scanners movies. Scanners 2 is not terrible. It's got a lot of problems. Scanners 3 is fun, but ridiculous. The, oh my god, the, the main villain character is in another freaking movie than the rest of the cast. Scanner Cop is a solid, solid movie. Let's forget about Scanner Cop 2, though. Yeah, Scanner Cop is great. Scanner Cop, like, Scanner Cop is a movie that I almost can't believe exists because it's so, uh, not far removed from the original Scanners, but... It's so much more grounded than any of the other sequels, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and with the name, you would expect it to be more on par with, like, how the third one was, but it's actually, like, a lot more serious than the name would suggest. It's a good character drama. It it works within the Scanners universe, although it does say two and three never happened because it's a sequel to the first film only. Scanner Cop is a really, really solid movie. And then Scanner Cop 2 happened. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, Shout Factory picks up Scanner Cop and does it as a, a two-pack like they did with uh, Scanners 2 and 3. But uh, I don't know if they – I don't think they sold very well. So I, I think if, if 2 and 3 didn't sell well, Scanner Cop you know, 1 and 2 probably won't. What about – no, this one might be a little bit divisive. Every horror film list I see of best sequels has Hellraiser 2 on there. Before anyone bites my head off, I think Hellraiser 2 is a solid movie. I just watched about two weeks ago Hellraiser and Hellraiser 2 back-to-back in the same night. And Hellraiser 2 does not hold up as well to me anymore. It held up a lot better in my memories. Its plot is more scattershot. Characters' logic is all over the place. The tone is very uneven. I gotta say, the first Hellraiser is at least the better film, even though Hellraiser 2 is still really good. It was clouded by nostalgia for me. It's not nearly as good having seen it again, you know, as a 42-year-old. It's very possible I have an affinity more for uh, Hellraiser 2 because I saw it first. Because I saw Hellraiser 2, and then 1, and then 3. And I, so I've always had a, a, a fondness for 2. Uh, I still think that it's it's excellent. And I've, you know, since gone and watched, you know, 1 uh, numerous times. But uh, for me, I don't know, 2 just feels like a, a bigger world. Like, we kind of get... I understand the Cenobites a little bit more with two. I think that they're uh, used a little bit more properly. I don't know. I just, I really love two. And like I said, I'm not crapping on two. I'm just saying, in, in retrospect, even going back to our, we did a, the, the retros, Hellraiser retrospective two years ago, three years ago, maybe. I still got to say the first film is the best one in that franchise. But everyone disagrees with me on this one. Free to disagree. On that note, what do you think it takes to make a sequel that's better than the original, or at least on par? Why do you think it's so hard 
Because, I mean, yes, we've been talking about a lot this week and last week. Out of all the sequels that are out there, this is a drop in the bucket. Why is it so damn hard to make a good sequel? Probably because a lot of sequels, they just redo the first movie. Halloween 2 style. Right. It's like, it's like you have to, don't completely, like, okay, sometimes they can change things up completely and it works, but that's rare. What you want to do to make a proper sequel is to expand upon the things in the first movie, continue the story instead of just telling the same story again. So I think that's the problem with a lot of sequels where they just will repeat everything that happened with the first one and with a new coat of paint on it, either a new cast or with the same cast, more or less going through the the motions again. And uh, I think that uh, a lot of people just get really annoyed with that because it's like, hey, we already saw this movie and it was already done well. Why are we seeing the same exact thing again? That sums it up perfectly because just recently I watched Crocodile Dundee and Crocodile Dundee 2, maybe a month ago. And Crocodile Dundee 2 is the exact same film. It's the same pacing. It's the same setup. They just swap. Instead of start, the first film starts in Australia and then moves to New York. The second film starts in New York and moves to Australia. That's really the only difference between the two. And I don't think we see Linda Kozlowski's bum in the second one. That that is a shame because she had a really nice bum back. Then. Yes, she certainly did. She yeah, she was very pretty. And uh, I God, I haven't seen her in ages though. Not so much by the time they got to Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. Oh, uh, no. Crocodile Dundee one and because Cro- I love Crocodile One D. Crocodile One D. Crocodile One D. Crocodile One D. Crocodile Dundee. I love the first one. The second one, yeah, the second one is is sequelitis. They made the same movie again. Just switch things up slightly, you know, by by flip-flopping. So on that note, where can we find Cecil T. hopefully being a good sequel to himself? Yes, you can find me. Uh, I haven't talked about sequels on my shows in a little while. Find me at escapistmagazine.com, goodbadflicks.com, as well as goodbadflicks on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And Peter, obviously, you can find him. You know, hopefully he's coming back. He's got the Wi-Fi issues. You can find him at Zinematica on Twitter, and he's at 1201beyond.com. 1201beyond.com is where I am as well. And you can contact me at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Try to keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night.
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.